Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and today's very special Hendrix vs. Wonderboy edition of Half the Battle is co-hosted by the tallest man in the UFC lightweight division. I'm talking about James Vick. James, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be back. I'm pretty much like a, a co-host. I've been on the show a few times, and now I'm, it gets funner every time. Hell yeah, man. It's always awesome having you on. And our very special guest is Dan Kenny from Suicide Silence. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, bro. Thank you. This is awesome to talk to both of you guys. I'm stoked. Yeah, man, I'm stoked too. And you know, Dan, so <laughs> obviously, you know, you do play in Suicide Silence, and it's really cool to see someone in a badass band liking this badass sport of MMA. And man, you have one sick UFC collection. So, I mean, how did you get into this sport, man? Um, honestly, it started at a local VHS store when me and my little brother, Pat, were super young. We would go there and just get WWF VHSs and go watch them. And then we pretty much cleaned out and watched every single one. And then we saw like the couple of the first UFCs on the bottom row. We we're like, what the hell is that? And then we figured it out and we started watching it. We, we were already in love with blood sports. So then like the, that shit just totally just took off and I just had to like get more and more and more of that stuff and just started off when I was a little kid renting VHSs. There you go, man. That's the way to start. Now, James, yeah. you know, last time we spoke, man, you know, you, uh, you were trying to get in touch with Joe Silva, trying to get a fight. And I saw you tweet recently that you're eyeing an April return. Can you give us the scoop right here, right now in half the battle? Yeah, I had asked Joe Silva. I wanted to be on the, the March 5th card, and I'm kind of pissed that he didn't put me on it, honestly, but I think it worked out best. But uh, I asked him to get on the card, and he said he'll see what he could do. And then he emailed me back and said, it didn't work out. He'll put me on it, but I'll, I'll for sure get a fight in April. And that was the last I heard from him, so now I'm just waiting to hear back. Um, but I'm assuming sometime next week or the week after, I'm just... I'm thinking they're going to put me on that April 16th card, um, the one with uh, Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. I'm thinking I'm going to be on that card. They should let you know pretty soon because that's coming pretty. That's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> for, for sure. I think I'm just going to go. I think um, the 16th, I'm just going to go to camp. and just and That way it'll give me two months and just assume that's when they're going, to, they're going to give me the call. Even if they don't, then I'll just go to camp longer. It's not a problem. Plenty of people in your weight, in, in your weight on that card, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, Michael Chiesa versus Benio Darius, too, so I'm hoping Darius gets hurt so I can get my rematch on Michael Chiesa. That'd be great, too. <laughs> yeah, man, and it's funny. Yeah. When, whenever uh, Khabib gets scheduled for a call, that's when every single lightweight starts their camp because, you know, there's a very <laughs> good possibility that you might get called to step up. And speaking of that Tampa card, you know, obviously I'm in ATL, so it's not too far away. I was thinking about going for that card and man would love to see you on there so i mean obviously you and i have spoken many times off record but the fans want to know is there anyone specific that you'd like to fight i mean i, I want to fight i mean but i want to fight michael kiesa that's who i want that's my i like i i have to have revenge like some people get over like i'm technically i guess undefeated but that's lost an ultimate fighter to me still like that's the only time i've i've ever lost in you know pro may fight and I've lost very few fights in all my amateur boxing and MMA and kickboxing. Like, I, I rarely lose. I'm a winner. And, like, some people get over those losses. Like, I've never got over that. Like, there's not a day goes by that I haven't thought about that in the last, shit, it's been there four years. And I, I still, I, I never about, saw that. Like, I, I never saw that fight. I want to fight that guy. So it was on the Ultimate Fighter. It was the semi the fight right before the finals. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. 
and I was whipping his ass, man. I dropped him twice, and I was just, I got, he ended up taking me down and getting me put, and I got put in mountain, and I was just unexperienced. It wasn't like there was anything that I could have did different as far as uh, leading up to it. I trained hard as I needed to. It's just I had only been pro for seven months, and I just didn't know, and then I got caught, and uh, he mounted me, and then Brown and Pound and the rest stopped the fight. And I mean, it, it was a legit stoppage. You know, I'm not making excuses. He, he won the fight, but that was four years ago, and I, I, I want to rematch so bad. Like, if I could pick any one of the girls, <laughs> I would fight him for a pay cut before I take a fight. Like, I don't <laughs> who's he? Who's he fighting? Benny. He's fighting. Yeah, oh. Daniel Darius. That's gonna be. Uh, I think Akias is gonna get beat. I think he's gonna get submitted. Yeah. Oh wow. If he can't get the ground game with Darius, which he really has no choice because Kiesa's striking isn't any better than it was. So he's he's really just he's gotten better, but he's only gotten better at what he was already good at. His striking is still garbage. And, and he's going to end up going to the ground, and I think Gary Ushin's going to submit him. Sounds like you really want to fight him, that's awesome. Yeah, and Kiesa, you know, if he wins this fight with Benny, he's got to make it dirty, man. He can't go in there and, you know, try to be technical with a guy like Benil. He has to fucking do what Ramsey did. But, I mean, Benny's gotten so much better since then. And I think the line is accurate when you see that minus 200 next to Benny's name. You know, I do think he's going to win this fight, guys. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now... I agree with it. Now, uh, Dan, so obviously you just toured with Corn. Now, we all grew up listening to Corn, but I got to know, what was it like when you got the call that they wanted you guys to be their direct support for their 20th anniversary tour? <laughs> it was awesome. We, uh, we already had Japan and Australia booked to do some big-ass shows over there, and we were all stoked about that. But then we got the call saying, like, Corn Tour starts in a month. Can you do it? We checked the dates. We're like, Fuck. We already had the shit booked, but you know, when one opportunity comes, it's awesome. But if something better comes, you should just take it because that that's a once in a lifetime thing to do 20th anniversary for corn, you know, just us and corn. It's fucking nuts. We said, sorry to Japan, Australia was, we'll be back there, but the corn tour, it's like, that's like getting the main event on a card, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely an incredible show. And, you know, I got to ask you because, you know, obviously I went there with my buddy and, you know, we were fucking rocking out and then we hang out, we hung out on the tour bus afterwards. And, you know, I banged my head really damn hard on the chair because I was headbanging so hard during your guys' set. And I had a little hematoma <laughs> on my head. You guys are like, the fuck's up with you, man? <laughs> but, you know, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because that was only one night of my life and you guys do this shit every fucking night so it's almost like you guys are well-conditioned athletes to have to put on a show like that i mean how do you guys do it every night bro uh dude i don't know it's kind of it's a little bit of endurance i head bang for fucking 45 minutes and i get super super sweaty and my neck hurts my back hurts but it's it's kind of like a we call it a bang over when you head bang so much that like you're sore as fuck for the first week and then you just keep going and it kind of goes away. And then you just, it's always worse in the first week. But then like after the first week, you kind of feel better doing it. And then it just gets super um, regular to do that shit. <laughs> well, there you go. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like being an athlete. But, you know, with guys like James, you know, you fight two to three times a year. But you guys fucking go on the road, you know. You're, uh, you're performing almost every night. So, man, much respect to both of you guys. And we got to talk about Hendrix versus Wonderboy because this card is going to be pretty damn good. It's obviously free on Fox Sports 1. And first up, we got mm -hmm. Noad Lahat 
taking on Diego Rivas. And I only want to talk about this fight for a second because Noad Lahat, I mean, he's not just a fighter. This is a badass outside of the cage. This is a guy that kills terrorists, you know, for his main job. So to him, stepping inside the UFC's octagon is no big deal. So it's kind of hard not to root for a guy like that just because, you know, I hate terrorists. He hates terrorists. So uh, I'm, I'm pulling for Noad Lahat here. You guys think he's going to get the victory here over Rivas? <laughs> I'm not too familiar with both of these guys that much, so I can't really speak on it, but the whole killing terrorist thing, I'm rooting for him no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think, James? No, I, I was about to say the exact same thing. I'm not, I'm not familiar. Maybe if I saw them fight, I'm sure I have saw them fight because I literally watch every fight, but I'm, the names aren't, aren't real familiar with me right now, so I'm going with the terrorist killer for sure. And I'll tell you two names that you guys are familiar with, and that's Ray Borg and Justin Scoggins. And, I mean, Ray Borg, he's minus 300. The comeback on Justin Scoggins is plus 250. And, man, these, these guys are basically kids, man. They're 22, 23 years old, and they're already doing big things in the UFC. It's almost like, man, what the fuck am I doing with my life, right? No, but, you know, these guys are total badasses, and it's interesting because with Ray Borg, man, he's so scrambly on the ground. And, I mean, this guy is the transition king. But with Scoggins, you know, he's one of these point karate fighters and if he can keep that distance and keep it standing he could win this fight you know he went on uh, the MMA roasted podcast he said he was going to finish Borg in the first round now, I know that's some gamesmanship but if by some stretch of the imagination he can keep the fight standing he could be the first man to finish Ray Borg what do you think about that James you know what Doggins is actually a really good wrestler as well I don't know if anyone if you knew that but he was, he was I'm pretty sure he was at least a division one or division two wrestler I don't know if he was like all American, but I know he wrestled at a high level. He trains an American top team. Um, I remember when he came to Dallas, he fought um, Will Camazano, and him and um, uh, Conan Severia came to one of my the schools I trained at and did a seminar. And he's super well rounded, and that is worth a bet. Like he, you said, a plus two fifty for him. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. You you should take those odds. Uh, that's that's worth the payoff. I, don't, I love both of their records, nine and one and ten and two, and then. But the only person I really I, Scoggins fought Moraga, right? And yeah. then that. Yep. And then that, how did that one end? Basically, he was taking down Moraga at will, but he kept leaving his head there. And then finally, Moraga capitalized and choked him out with the guillotine in the second round. All right, and then and Borg's fucking submission game is pretty sweet, though, right? Yeah, man, Borg is just nasty with those transitions and those sweeps and the submissions. <sighs> I don't know. I, this kind of seems like one. I cut. The line's pretty far apart, which maybe is worth taking a little bit on it, but Borg's pretty fucking, I don't know, man. It's just kind of like how it plays out and who just has a better night, I guess. Yeah, now let me ask you guys this because, you know, Ray Borg, he likes to talk about how, you know, we haven't seen his hands yet, and obviously we haven't seen his hands yet and he says that he wants to finally show what his stand-up is all about but when he steps inside the octagon you know those grappling instincts take over and he uh, takes the fight to the ground but man what if he can't get Justin Scoggins down to the ground James I honestly I think Scoggins is just as good on the ground as him I'm uh I think Scoggins is gonna win I mean I think now that I know that that he's a plus 250 I think I'm gonna take that bet I think I'm gonna call my bookie actually because <laughs> I really think that, I mean, his submission game is better, but I definitely don't think that his wrestling game is better than Scoggins. And I think, like you said, when he was taking my, my order fought for a title, he was, he, and you're right, I remember that fight. He took, Scoggins took him down multiple times. He just got caught. That's, I think Ray Borg might catch him, maybe could catch him, but I, I would take Scoggins on this fight, honestly. Yeah, man. You know, I didn't, 
I didn't even think about taking him as the dog, but you kind of convinced me, man. May it might really be worth a, a shot because I do agree the line is completely off. It's just when you talk about Ray Borg, we've just seen total dominance from him. His only loss against Dustin Ortiz, a lot of people thought it could have gone his way. But as we all know, controversial mm -hmm. decisions are a part of this sport. So if you're on the wrong side of one, you can't cry too much. But man, plus 250. I'll, I'll say this. I'm definitely not parlaying Ray Borg. You know, that minus 300, it's a little bit too chalky for me, man. So I might have to go with James here and take that shot. Now, next up, man, KJ Noons versus Josh Berkman. These are two OGs. You know, Berkman's minus 175. KJ Noons is plus 155. And man, you know, they're both at the tail end of their career. They're in your weight class, James. But uh, back in their day, they were badasses. You know, Berkman, obviously, he had Bro. some wars. He submitted John Fitch, KJ Noons. You know, he had two great fights with Nick Diaz. And now uh, they're meeting each other at, at 155 pounds. It's actually the first time Berkman has fought at 155 pounds. And with the new IV ban and everything, it's kind of interesting that he's making that decision. Do you think it might be due to something else, James? Or, you know, was it just his time to drop a weight class? I mean, I don't want to... Um... I guess accuse anybody of anything, but I know a lot, since this PDA testing is going on, a lot of guys are starting to drop weight. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> um, but um, I, I think that you know he just realized that um, when he could come in at 170, um, that he is probably you know not going to be a, con a top contender at that weight class. So mm -hmm. why not drop down and have a chance to be a, to be a, a legit contender at, at another weight class at 55, which where he will be big and strong. For sure. So, I mean, I think that's probably the reason, his reasoning for that, for sure. Yeah, now, Dan, obviously, like I mentioned, man, you have one of the sickest UFC collections I've ever seen. And I know for a fact that Josh Berkman and KJ Noons are two of the guys that you've seen in the past. Who do you favor in this fight, bro? <laughs> I kind of I kind of like Berkman at 55, man. Um, I know he, his, his run at 70, especially at the latest, the latest time, like, I can't remember exactly what happened with the Lombard fight, but um, I know Cote kind of tore him up and then getting tapped out by Kim. That's not a really good last run at 170s, so he had to figure something out. Going to 55s is cool, but KJ Noons, I kind of I kind of count him out nowadays. It's just he hasn't been like the dude who we used to see. And um, I did bet on him against Cowboy, which is stupid, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm an idiot, but that was all right. I was really impressed with the whole scout, the whole Sam Stout thing. That's why I wanted to see if he still had it. But I like Berkman in this fight, and I think Berkman probably will show up and win. Yeah, man, KJ News laid out Sam Stout. Now, speaking of Alex Cowboy, it just got announced today that Cowboy is fighting Cowboy. And it's interesting because I told James, I was like, dude, I think Joe Silva is going to give you Alex Cowboy next. And then uh, that didn't happen. So it's Alex Cowboy versus Cowboy Cerrone. Let's get off topic real quick. Let's, Love let's, it. Let's talk about Love this it. fight, man. I mean, holy fuck. Who's going to win? It's a better fight than what they had. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I got Cowboy to win the fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> it's a better it's a better it's a better fight i think than what they had i like tim means a lot but i i would i think the cowboy cowboy would be a little bit more exciting which cowboy takes it i don't know man cerrone fucking he, i have no idea that, that dude is so hard to read nowadays with his you know wakeboarding and bull riding and then you see like one picture in the gym. You're like, all right, all right. And then you see him drinking the next night. And you're like, holy shit, what the hell is going on with this guy? And then, uh, 
Yeah, definitely bet on him against Rafael, too. I'm not really kicking ass lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is that the other cowboy, he's also a former bull rider. So, I mean, it's like they're almost like kindred spirits, except one's the American, one's the Brazilian. So, James, I mean, they're in your weight class, but they're actually fighting at 170. Who you got in this one, bro? Um, I have Cerrone. Um, you know what's crazy? That You know yesterday when you tweeted that um, about uh, they should let me fight Donald Cerrone? Yeah. Um, there, there's a couple, you know, a couple uh, internet trolls on there hating, like laughing, like 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 my my record's not good enough to fight him or whatever. But I have four wins in the UFC. Uh, 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 Cowboy Oliveira only has three wins. He's he's three and one in the UFC, and they're acting like he like he's just so much more qualified than me to fight Cerrone. To me, that's a joke. Now, obviously, I, I'm not I'm not ready to fight, but. That, that kind of bugs me seeing, you know, I mean, I guess I shouldn't really pay attention to internet trolls because that's what they are, but, like, the dude's, like, laughing, like, that, that, that that's a fight that, that couldn't be possible because I'm not I'm not up to par, but I've won four fights in a row in the UFC, and, and he's only won three in a row. And he hasn't fought in a competition. Do you think it might be because some people did not see your last fight, which was, like, performance of the night? It was when it was because in Australia? The only benefit of that is you, when you're on the main card of a fight, you know, fight back, like you always have a better chance to get a bonus, which it, it, you know, which worked out great for me. So I would rather take the money than, than, than that for sure. But I think once I get another win or so, that you know, definitely two more wins in a row. I'm six on the UFC. I, there, people will realize I can fight anybody in the division, and, and I'm not worried. You know, they're gonna sit here and, and not be trolling me, acting like I'm outmatched because you know I'll prove it. That's fine. But I think Cerrone's going to win. I think he's too well-rounded. I think he's too experienced um, technically on the ground. Um, uh, Oliveira, yeah, it, is Oliveira, short, it is short notice. Yeah, Oliveira does have a weird little style. And you know what he looks like? He uh, he honestly reminds me of this. Uh, there's, there's a certain type of people you'll come across in the gym. They're so weird and like almost unorthodox slash uncoordinated. And it seems they like almost have a weird ability to like hurt people. Like injure people, and they don't even mean to. They're just—it's their body. They're weird. They have like hard bones, and, and that's what Oliveira looks like to me. I mean, I could be wrong, but he just looks like one of those people that he's so weird. Like he gets through problems, he looks like he—he he has one of those abilities to like just freak injure injure people. Like we have a guy in the gym that I used to train with, and like half of it, literally like two or three of his fights, have been stopped by him injuring the guy. And like people think that like just some kind of freak accident, but this dude like I stopped sparring with him because I he injured me a couple times. He just has an ability to injure people. He's one of those people, and I think Calibur Oliveira is one of those people too. But I but I think that, uh, I think Cerrone's going to be too experienced. Yeah, man, and uh, James, you know. Cowboy uh, Oliveira, he actually reminds me of someone on the card that we're watching this Saturday. He reminds me of OSP. He's kind of like the 155-pound version of OSP, and he's Brazilian too. I mean, he's kind of hmm. ugly, you know, the way the way he fights, but he's effective, and he finds a way to win. So, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Cowboy Oliveira, and I can't wait to see what happens in that fight, man. But back on this card, dude, Mike Pyle is taking on Sean Spencer, and Spencer's <laughs> minus 175. The comeback on Pyle is plus 155. And, man, Mike Pyle is 40 years old. And, I mean, this guy is a vet. You know, his his debut, his MMA debut, was against Quentin Rampage Jackson. I mean, this guy's been around the block. He's been in there with John Fitch. I mean, he's been in there with everyone, dude. And now he's taking on Sean Spencer. And Sean Spencer is my guy when it comes to fading these aging vets. You know, obviously when Spencer took on Paulo Tiago, had him there. And I got him here too. I have him in a parlay with Noad Lahat, the terrorist killer. 
And uh, when I got it, it was plus 121 for the parlay. What I think is going to happen is Spencer's going to close that distance. He's either going to knock him out in the first round or he's going to 30-27 him. I don't think that uh, Pyle can take what Spencer brings to the table because, as we all know, Pyle stands straight up. You know, he doesn't uh, bend his knees. He doesn't tuck his chin. And with Spencer, man, this guy's got some hands. He's a Golden Gloves boxer. I mean, James, you know firsthand about being a Golden Gloves boxer. So why don't you take it from here, man? Uh, yeah, Sean Spencer's actually my boy. He, he lives like 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from me here in Dallas. I've trained with him a couple of times. I don't really train that much with him, but um, a, a super cool guy. I've known him for probably seven years. Um, I think that he's going to win. I think his pace, he keep, he's a high-volume striker. Not necessarily like a big big power shot guy, but he throws a lot of volume. And I think Mike Piles, um, you know, he is 40 years old, and his style is more of a – uh, gra- grappling, or maybe, you know, like he, he's landed a couple big knees in the UFC and stuff, but I think Sean Spencer's volume is going to be too much for him. And he's either going to catch him and knock, knock him out, you know, with the, with the combination, or he's going to, um, uh, like you said, 30-27 winning the decision. Yeah, the only thing I'd be worried about is Pyle, you know, being the crafty vet that he is, you know, finding a, you know, a nice little inside trip, getting him down to the ground, you know, maybe get a nice mounted triangle like he's done in the past. But I don't think that's going to happen, dude. I think Sean Spencer is going to use some very effective footwork. And like I said, either piece him up or knock him out. Now, Dan, I got to know, man, Mike Pyle or Sean Spencer? Fuck, man. Uh, That's one. That's another one where this card is kind of like a card where I kind of will sit back and watch. But this one is kind of just like super watch. And I'll always root for Pyle. I've been watching him for so long and, seems like such a good dude but Spencer losing lo- losing losing to that Pendred thing was he was supposed to win that fight like and he didn't but um I ca- I kind of like Pyle in this fight to be honest with you man I do I did what you said with the inti- inside trip thing and inside trip and then trying to pull some submission I think that could totally probably happen and I I'm picking Pyle yeah, man, I mean, he does have good plus money odds right now, so I don't blame you, but I hope you're wrong because I do have him in a parlay with Lahat, but I'm definitely going to be worried about that ground game. I mean, that's what you got to look out for when you're talking about a guy like Mike Pyle, but I am favoring the youth, and it's funny, you know, I tweeted out today, I'm taking the guy that got 30-27 by Cajal Pendred, you know? So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, they, I, they're both hungry, though. They're, they're both very hungry, I can tell you that much right now. Who, Spencer and Pyle? Yeah, they're both coming off a unanimous decision loss. They're both hungry. They're on. It's just going to be who's hungrier, and Pyle is probably going to be a little more crafty, and I think he'll pull it off. Now, James, when was the last time you saw Sean Spencer? I had no idea that you guys like even lived in the same area. Um, I saw him uh, when when we went to the Fighters Summit back in what was it, November, I think. Or no, actually, I ran into him since, and I I saw him some other time, I think. At the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to the grocery store, but I'm trying to think where I saw him at. Um, but it, it's but within the last couple months, probably I'd say within the last two, two and a half months, I saw him. And he, he was, uh, I think he was getting healthy and training and just waiting for waiting for a call. So I think he was, you know, I think he was already, already you know, getting back in shape and everything uh, back then. So I thought he should be ready to go. Yeah, did he have like a bad injury or something? Because he hasn't fought since the Pendred fight, and that was January of last year. Well, I think he had gotten injured, but then, then something happened. I don't. He had an injury, but I don't think it was super bad. 
but I don't know. I think something happened like he was just waiting for a fight. Maybe, maybe they just didn't give him a fight for a few months or something also. But, yeah, I thought he got ripped off. He won that fight for sure. Yeah, it was one of those. The uh, fight? Yeah, the Pendred fight. It was one of those yeah. Boston strong decisions, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, next up, man, we got Joseph Benavides. He's a sizable minus 470 favorite. He's, uh, he's God, taking, I love this fight. I know, right? He's taking on Zach Makovsky, who's plus 375. Now, Eddie Alvarez, he told me to take Zach Makovsky at plus 375. Now, I feel bad because I bet against Eddie Alvarez when he took on Pettis. I thought that uh, Pettis was going to do his thing, and Eddie, he proved me wrong. He had the perfect game plan. And, I mean... Before we talk about Zach versus Joe B, James, I mean, that that's in your weight class, as we all know. What do you think went down when uh, when Eddie fought Pettis? Was Eddie just the better guy? Was Pettis not showing up? What's the deal with that, man? Because it was a very weird performance. Remember when we were talking about Eddie Alvarez? I don't know if it was on the show or we were just messaging back and forth. I don't remember. Remember I said, I, I was like, man, I whip Eddie Alvarez's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I could, um, uh, uh, yeah, I think it, it was a combination of both. Um. Honestly, uh, uh, Pettis looked like he had ring rust and looked like he could, just couldn't pull the trigger, even though he saw the shots. Maybe, maybe he's been, maybe he was damaged from the uh, from the the assignments fight. I don't know, but he just looked like he, he just couldn't pull the trigger that night. And then um, Eddie Alvarez had a good game plan and, and pinned him on the cage and, and did the you know did the, had a smart game plan. So I think it was a combination of both. And you stick to what you said earlier on the show, you know, a couple weeks back, that you'd love to take that Eddie Alvarez fight. Oh, I, yeah, I, I do. There's no way. I, there's no way Eddie Alvarez would beat me. He could. I guarantee. You, there's no way he's going to put me on the cage and hold me like that. First of all, my my uh, my, my takedown defense is better than Anthony Pettis's. I, 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 in all my MMA fights combined, I've also fought two Division One wrestlers. I've been on my back a total of, of maybe a minute and a half in all like twenty amateur and pro fights combined. I move my feet and, 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 and I don't stay stationary. And uh, my cage defense is really good. When I was an ultimate fighter, Dominic Cruz, at Alliance Training, they have like a really good cage defense system that's like phenomenal. And and I, we we did that three days a week for three months in the Ultimate Fighter, and that really helped me ingrain that system in my my body. And I I just I don't th- think he can win. He's not going to outstrike me. And there's no way he's going to take me. He may he could probably get me down a couple times, but I would be back in my seat within ten seconds. I don't watch all your fights, James. <laughs> yeah, I hope they make that fight eventually, bro. We got We definitely have to see that now, Dan. I gotta know, man. Is Joseph Benavidez going to get this done, or is Zach Makovsky going to pull off that big upset? Should I listen to Eddie Alvarez here, or should I go with the chalky Dude, favorite? Do you know what bet you should make? What's that? It goes. It goes to decision, no matter what. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, both those both those guys' last three fights all went to decision, and they were and they're they're they I don't know I don't see either one of them knocking each other out, or definitely no submission. But I don't know. I would probably go with Joseph to be honest with you, just because he, he hasn't been an alpha male, huh? Nah, he hasn't. But you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing for some guys. They have to be at that home gym that brought them up, and for other guys, it's really good to travel around. So we're gonna have to see how he reacts. Yeah, I'm, I that that one will be a pretty fast-paced fight, but it's gonna definitely go decision for sure. But I would have to pick Benavides to win. He is the shit. 
Yeah, and it's funny, man, because every single time I think that, you know, Joseph Benavidez might be on the way out, this might be the time to fade him, he always wins. You know, I tried with Moraga, I tried with Dustin Ortiz, I tried with Ali Baga Utinov, and Joseph Benavidez keeps winning. Now this time, (laughs) dude, this time I'm not going to try and watch Zach Makovsky win, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think Benavidez is is, going to win. He's too too, uh, experienced to die. High level. He's fought, you know, the highest level of competition multiple times. Yep. I think I think he's gonna win. I think he's gonna. Um, he could submit him. I don't think he's gonna knock him out. He could possibly submit him, but probably not. Like, so it's probably gonna be a decision. Um, but I would say he's gonna he's gonna win definitely at least two rounds, if not all three. What's his odds? What's his odds, Dan? It's um so plus three seventy five for Makovsky and minus four seventy for Benavidez. Dude, that that's how it's, that's how the fight's gonna go. Yeah. I, I believe it, man. I can totally see it. I mean, Joe B, the only people he's ever lost to in his career are Cruz and Demetrius Johnson. I mean, those are, uh, you know, two pound-for-pound pound greats. So, yeah, man, I definitely see him winning this fight, and I guess we both we Wait, all does, agree. Doesn't he, doesn't, doesn't he have a couple more losses than that? No, he's got four losses because he lost to both those guys twice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Crazy shit, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about my boy Dominic for a second. He he did the thing the other day, huh? Oh my god, dude! Yeah. And you fucking called it, James. I you know I did not see that shit yeah, happening was, at all. I was screaming up and down in my apartment. I was so happy. I was like, because you know, like I said, Dominic was was my coach in Ultimate Fighter. And we were super close. Like me and him had a real good connection. And and I, I was I was so happy. Like I don't think anybody in the world is more deserving than Dominic Cruz. Dude, I. I I was with a bunch of people from Team Quest over here in Temecula watching the fights, and uh, I got real close with their jiu-jitsu coach, who was awesome, and his name's Pancho, and he uh, he lost he lost like a seven-fight parlay because of Betty, and then he was just like, well, there's only one fight left. I was like, bet on Cruz. Put whatever you have in your online bank account on Cruz. And then he won, and then he kissed me, and he said, how did you know? I was like, this fucking Dominic Cruz, dude. That's funny as fuck. Who did you say he lost on early on the card? Medi. Medi Baghdad? Uh, yeah. Uh, should, yeah. Bet. Man, why the fuck did he bet that? <laughs> Is that his boy or something? <laughs> yeah, that's his, that's his boy. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because Chris Wade, man, you know, he's initially supposed to fight Tysumov, and now Tysumov's actually taking on a newcomer in Croatia. So, James, Tysumov's not going to be your next opponent, bro. Oh, I got you. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, it's cool. I, like I said, I, you know, I'll fight anybody. Um, I, I mean, I prefer a guy with a bigger name than that, but I think that Tysonoff would have beat Chris Wade. I think that he um, he's very well-rounded in a season fighter. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking for a bigger name, but I'll think, you know, you really don't get options. Whoever they tell you to fight at this point in my career is who I'm going to fight. I really don't have options. Um, yeah. So how does that how does that work? Do they just give you one name, or do they usually give it to your manager or you? And then they just said say yes in twenty four hours or something. Well, they um, Joe Civil will see. I'm I'm I don't have a manager. I have a manager that does my sponsorships only, but I, I do everything else. You know, I, I try to keep my own money. I'm not uh, fixing to give a manager you know my money because I got in the UFC by myself as an Ultimate Fighter, so I, I never hired Mark. a manager. So he directly texts me. Or he emails me, and they'll say, hey, this guy, this date, and you say yes or no, and pretty much. Uh, he'll, so he'll, like, text you and be like, Jake Matthews, here's the money. Would you say yes or no? Um, well, my contract, I already know how much money I'm getting beforehand with my contract, but um, 
he just said, uh, yeah, Jake Matthews, Adelaide, Australia. And I, uh, I took the fight. Of course, you know, I was excited to fight in Australia until I went to Texas they were going to keep. But, uh, <laughs> you, you should, you should look into that. You should be careful about that when you go over there to perform too. Uh, uh, if I think, I guess, cause you're off the file or whatever, your Texas international income, man, they're going to take a grip, bro. Yeah, yeah. We 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 do pretty we do pretty damn good over there, and our management takes care of everything. And I don't see uh-huh. any money. It's just fucking all this happens and good. But with you, is is your purse in Australian money, and is your bonus in Australian money? Um. Yeah. Well, basically, you made the money there. Basically, I was supposed to. Okay, I made ten and ten. I made ten to show, ten to win. So that's twenty grand, and I got I got a fifty G bonus. That's seventy grand. They took twenty thousand dollars out of that seventy, and I can't get none of it back. I contacted a CPA, and they put me in touch with another one there in Australia. And I talked to her back and forth through email for like two weeks. And basically, any 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 money I get over there, I, any money I, I would if I would try to get my money back, it would it would affect my taxes here. So basically, all you get is they claim you get oh you get a foreign tax credit. So now I still have to pay taxes, but. They're acting like they're doing me a favor, basically, by saying that basically I don't have to pay taxes on seventy; I just have to pay taxes on fifty, which is all I got anyway. So it's not like I'm I'm, I'm really getting any deal, but uh, that's their idea of t- claiming I get a um, uh, a foreign tax credit, I guess. But yeah, they took oh shit, well yeah, but half percent. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool to ask. I I always want to know how fighters got paid fighting in foreign countries if they got paid in American dollars or in foreign money well yeah it was american dollars but it was just i mean but it was um the, the taxes were like the rate was 32 and a half percent and you could write off certain things. i wrote off like the hotels which usc paid for the majority of the hotels but i got there a little bit earlier and i wrote off stuff like that but it still it still wasn't that much it's crazy well, shit man to, that yeah i like to hear that stuff yeah, I, mean, I don't like to hear that stuff, but it's nice to know. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to know the truth. Now, I got a question about the Jake Matthews fight itself because, you know, we have talked about that fight many times, but I keep forgetting to ask you, dude. So, okay, so he takes you down for a second. You you know, you work your way back up to the feet. And it, to me, it kind of looked like he kind of maybe broke because he did this thing where he started clapping to the crowd. And I was like, what, what are you doing, bro? Do, do you remember that, James? Yeah, I, I saw that in his face. Hey, let me say something. When you get in there as a fighter, you 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 can tell if you can break that guy right within the first couple minutes. You can even the first minutes. You can tell if you can break him or not. Like when I got in there, when I saw a uh, 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 Lazaro, the the first minute I was like, okay, we're fixing to have a long night because this dude ain't going nowhere. And, and that was the, that was the hardest fight I've ever had in my life. Um, when I went with Jake Matthews, he was super explosive and he was super athletic. But I mean, but and he knew I. He, I was surprised how fast he could close distance. Like he had like a real good first step, almost like Johnny Hendricks has, where probably he would be like a good sprinter, where he just closes that first step is just quick. But um, I could tell once he realized that he, I, going into the fight, he believed he had like a really big str- a strength advantage over me. Like these guys, they think because I'm tall and skinny that they're all stronger than me, and they, we lock up and they realize they're not. And it, especially when they get me on the cage, and I just he he takes me down, and I just get up immediately. I could see I could see it in his face that that, that, he, that, that, that I knew that had I not caught him with that knee and, and choked him out, that within the next round I was I was going to finish him. 
Um, I, I could see in his face that he broke a little bit for sure. What the fuck was he clapping at the crowd for, man? I, I didn't get that shit. I was like, I was like, dude, like you're in a fight, bro. If you notice, all of his punches after, especially after that initial, um, the initial takedown, and then me getting up, all of his punches were really basically they were punches. They were, he's super explosive, so they looked quick and they were coming fast. But it was just punches to keep me at bay. Like he was, you could tell he just didn't want to fight anymore. He didn't want to be in there. Because and I think I broke him a little bit in the back. The way you know, like I'm kind of crazy and I'm in the back screaming and saying I'm fixing to fuck this dude up. And we're walking out of the tunnel together and they're standing behind me. And I'm like, I'm thinking, fuck this dude up. I'm thinking, go get my 50 grand bonus. Like, I was calling all this shit out before. And I look back, and his dad and him are looking at me like I'm crazy or something. The UFC people are laughing at me and everything. And, I mean, I, I think that, that he, he realized that I wasn't going to break. You know, he, I mean, he was a phenomenal athlete. He's just a tough fighter, too. Um, his next fight, he showed a lot of heart coming through and, and, um, uh, and doing, doing what he did, you know, uh, getting dropped and then coming back and winning. But I think that he was new at that point that he that he was in there and, and that he knew I wasn't gonna break and I think he just he, he just didn't want to be in there and I, I think that's how I caught him. Now, you do you mentioned- do that in all of your fights? Do what now? Do you do that in all? Do you do that in all your fights where you're in the tunnel and you just start like saying I'm gonna fuck oh, this yeah, guy oh, up yeah. and I fought Nick Hine and um uh, we come out and his his corner is like screaming hey and then, so my corner starts screaming back and I'm like oh yeah motherfucker I'm gonna fuck your ass up. And I'm screaming, he's looking back at me and shit, right? And the UFC people are like going crazy. Like they're laughing. The, 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 the two, they just think that shit is comical. Because I'm like a little kid. Like I don't, like I don't get nervous like a lot of other. Like some of the guys I see in the back, like they're, they, they look scared to death. They look like like they would they would rather be anywhere else than there. They're like they're like thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And I'm thinking, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Like I'm like a little kid at a candy store. Like I'm jumping up and down. I'm barking like a dog. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, James, how do you manage, you know, your emotions? Because obviously you do get super pumped, but how do you make it so that, you know, your cardio maintains and you don't have that adrenaline dump that people like to talk about? Um, well, I don't hear thing. I don't get all amped up and start screaming and stuff until right, right before I'm about to walk out. I still, and when I get in the back, I have enough experience. Like, I think amateur boxing really broke me from a lot of my nerves because I didn't have a lot of amateur boxing experience. But I, but I had about 20 fights in like a year and a half. So I was fighting sometimes three times a week in the tournaments and stuff. And you didn't know who your opponent was until the day of the weigh-in. And um, so I, I had all 20 of those fights in probably less than a year and a half. And I, it, it just helped me break, break me from being nervous. And so when I get in the back, I always, you know, if I know I'm towards the middle or the end of the card, I go and I lay in the back, I take me a nap, I chill. And then when it's time for me to get up, warm up, I, I, work, I work my way into it, warm up, have my coach stretch me real good. And then I, and then when we start to walk out, that's when I start really screaming and getting all amped up and stuff like that. Yeah, I've always been curious yeah. about the warm up, man, because, you know, when is it like, when, when do you say when? You know, when is it uh, too much exertion? Like, how do you know how to warm up properly? Um, it just depends on the, the fighter, I guess. Um, uh like I'm a mover, so I'm my my I, I really believe like my cardio is better than m- most fighters because it, almost like Dominic Cruz, it has to be better because of the style he fights. He he has to be his shape. He has to be like a phenomenal shape. And for the most part, last fight I actually was I actually didn't move that much, but for the most part, the majority of all my fights I've been a mover who who's always on my feet and just you know trying to pick people apart and move, and um. Uh, so I, I, I warm up. I mean, I, I, I like to, I would say about, I, I start, 
I start getting serious with it about 20 minutes out, but I start warming up probably like 45 minutes before. You still there? Yeah, you still there, James? Oh yeah, yeah. Could you hear me? Yep, I can hear you perfect. Okay, I was saying, I was saying, I, I warm up about 45 minutes before is when I start, and then about 20 minutes out, I get real serious, and then about the last five to 10 minutes, I wind down. There you go, man. We exclusive info from James Vick. Now, man, <laughs> we gotta talk about this next fight between OSP and Rafael Feijao. Man, OSP is minus 440. The comeback on Feijao is plus 350. And like I was mentioning earlier, you know, with the Alex Cowboy talk. OSP, he really reminds me of Alex Cowboy. You know, it's not always the prettiest. It can be very ugly, but he's super effective, and he wins fights, man. He's got heart for days. The only guys he loses to are, you know, top five guys in the world. And the thing with Fei Zhao is back in his day, he was a fucking badass. But, man, those days are long gone, you know. But but let's talk about back in the day real quick. Because, I mean, this is a guy that knocked out King Mo back when King Mo was, uh, you know, a serious contender. He knocked out Yoel Romero. He had an incredible yep. war with Dan Henderson. I mean, Fei Zhao was a beast in strike force, but he came over to the UFC. You know, he's been looking a little softer. He's just kind of looking like he doesn't really want to be there as much. And it's sad because, I mean, I remember the guy as this explosive striker. He spins. He throws flying knees. He can choke you out. He can defend takedowns. But in the UFC, it hasn't been the same guy. So, you know, obviously they're 205-pound men. Anyone can go down with those four-ounce gloves. But I got a favorite OSB here. What do you think, Dan? OSP, 100%. (laughs) I'm a firm believer that dude is fucking awesome. And I will always have a gripe against him for fucking up my 8-5 parlay. And I got everything right except for him. But I still love him, and he's awesome. And he... he Dude, he like... Fuck, man. He... He he beat Cummins pretty hardcore, right? Yeah. Fajal got knocked out by Cummins, right? Those are like their two last fights, right? Mm-hmm. Both of their last fights was coming. Well, uh, OSB he actually lost to Glover in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's the one that fucked up my parlay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think OSP is definitely on top of his shit right now. And after that loss to Glover, he definitely wants to get back up higher in the rankings. And he probably loves this fight for his style. And Fajal, you're right. He used to be the shit, and he used to be very impressive. But as of late, you're right. He hasn't been the prettiest, and I like OSP, man. Yeah, man. Now, James, is this going to be a, a knockout? Is it going to be a Von Fluchooks? I mean, every time OSP fights, we see something different from him. Question mark. Um, yeah, I'm taking OSP too. Um, I think OSP. Can, I think he can knock him out. He's um, he's so big and athletic. Um, he's he's hard for anybody to deal with. Um, in that division, he's one of those guys that had he been training for even like five years longer than what he has, he he would be a world champion guaranteed because he he has he has a lot of heart and he's a freak athlete, southpaw, hard to deal with. Um, uh, I think I think he can knock him out. I think he can finish him. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: Do you think OSP is you know a victim of too much loyalty? And what I mean by that is, you know, he's been in the same gym you know, for pretty much his entire career. And for some guys, like we mentioned earlier on the show, it works really well with them. But with OSP, you know, a lot of people criticize him and say that, hey, maybe he could go to King's MMA with Master Hoffa. Maybe he could go to ATT. What do you, what's your take on that, James? Uh, for sure, I think uh, that's the case. I don't personally know his coaches, so, you know, I don't want to talk bad about him. But it's obvious he, he he's, he's going off of 
pure athleticism and, and, and his technique is if he's that athletic to play football at that high of a level, then he's that athletic to learn better technique. But it's just, it's almost like he's not being taught it or something. I don't know. And he's just winning on, I think you could take OSP and put him in your, your garage and train him and he could be something, you know, what he is because he's, he's so athletic and, he, and he's so mentally strong. But I do think had he been in a better camp for these last few years, I mean, he, he could possibly already be a, you know, a top two or three contender. So, yeah, I agree with that statement. Yeah, and I mean, why is there that trade-off where, you know, he is a freak athlete, he is mentally strong, but, I mean, his technique it isn't, you know, it isn't the best. Yeah, uh, say that again. I'm sorry. My girlfriend's distracting me over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, why is there that trade-off, in your opinion, where, you know, he is really mentally strong, he is a freak athlete, but his technique isn't necessarily the prettiest? You know what it is? Well, like I said, maybe he's not being taught the right technique. And you know what it is, too? It's hard. Like, I had this experience. Like, my boxing is not as technical as it should be because I was with a coach that did the first two years of boxing, and that's where you learn. When you learn the wrong way, it's twice as hard to go back and unlearn it versus just learning the right way. And um, it's, but, but I was winning. That's the problem. It's hard for me to leave because I was still winning fights. He he's and you you saw that with him like he he made it so far on with just bad technique, um, because of the physical attributes and the mental strength he has, it's hard to tell someone they're doing something wrong if they're winning, you know. But I mean, I think now it's becoming more obvious to people and maybe to him I don't know, but um, yeah for sure I I don't know maybe he's just maybe he's maybe he's just not being uh showed the proper technique. maybe he's not putting in the hours maybe he is i, I don't know honestly you know it kind of reminds me of that situation you were talking about earlier on the show where you know there's that guy in your gym who he also doesn't look the prettiest but he just injures everyone with the way he fights i feel like osp is that guy you know what i mean yeah for sure he has that yeah he's that weird body type and throws kicks from like weird angles and hard bones and um you know uh that definitely. Uh, I remember that that, that lock he, he hit Jimmo with was nasty. Remember that shoulder lock he hit him with? That was amazing. Yeah, that was that was that was, that was one that very few people can pull off. Yeah, he's an athletic freak. Now, before we talk about the co-main event of the evening, I want to talk about Sage Northcutt. And the only reason I want to talk about him is because, <laughs> man, I'm pissed off that he lost because I wanted you to be the guy to beat him. You know, doesn't that suck he finally lost? And I could have negotiated for fucking way more money and got a countdown spot and everything. I, I was I was like, damn it, I was so pissed. And he just gave up, man. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you saw my Twitter post. I mean, uh, people can hate and say that, Oh, you're just a hater um, because he makes more money. Yada yada. Dude, dude has no heart. I mean, people can say what they want to. Um, they can use the excuse he's young, this and that. Max Holloway came into UFC at 19 years old. He didn't give up. He when he lost the submission, his UFC debut, he lost to a, with a legit submission. Anybody who's ever did jiu-jitsu, first of all, um, Shades Northcutt's supposed to be a purple belt. If he's a purple belt and, and taps to a fucking head arm triangle like that, who the hell gave him his belt? You know. But um, uh, but straight up, I mean, like uh, Roy McDonald came in the UFC at 19 or 20 years old. There's no, there's no shame in losing. That's what I, that's what these internet trolls need to understand. They think that you're just hating on him because he lost, and you're happy to see him lose. No, I wasn't happy to see the kid lose. I, first of all, I wanted to, to win because I wanted to fight him. But second of all, I, I mean, I'm calling it like I see it. The dude, the dude is a pussy, and he gave up, and he has no heart. And that's something that's sad to see because you see a kid that's that freak of an athlete with that 
you know, with, with that grade of training his whole life, to not have any heart, but that's that's the truth. But I I, I saw spots of that before, way before then, and his other fights I saw spots of that as well. Um, um, I think that he has all the athleticism in the world, and he's he's technically uh, skilled. But I think that like him going to TriStar is probably the best thing for him. They need to turn him into like a GSP type fighter where he can just hold people down, and not take any damage. And because if not, I don't think he, I don't see him maintaining a UFC career, honestly. Last y'all. Hey, he's back. All right, man. So we're talking about Sage Northcutt. We're recording right now. And, you know, we're kind of pissed that he lost because we wanted James Vick to be the guy to hand Sage Northcutt his first loss. So, Dan, did you get a chance to watch Northcutt versus Barbarena? I sure did. What do you think about that shit? Because, you know, it's not the fact that he lost. It's the fact that he tapped to a not locked in arm triangle from the wrong side. Yeah. Um, I don't know, that kid, that kid is, I don't know, he, he's got pretty big-ass arms for, and I don't know, he probably got all nervous and was probably losing oxygen, and his arm was pretty big, so he was probably, like, freaking out and then just got super confused, and then he blamed it on being sick. I think it was probably a little bit of inexperience and overconfidence that that um, that made him lose, and he fought some dude who's fucking tough as shit, so, um, yeah. I I I kind of wanted him to win too, just because I I like I like hype. Even though he's kind of overhyped, I do like hype. It's kind of fun. It makes the sport interesting. Yeah, and I mean Sage is definitely a character. I mean he's an athletic specimen, like we mentioned. The guy can do things that other people can't do. But when it comes to fighting, man, you can't teach heart. You know what I mean, James? Yeah, it's um. Uh, I'm, now that we got him back on, that's I don't know if he saw my my Twitter post, but yeah, the dude has no heart. They can people can chalk that up to being young and inexperienced all they want, but uh, like I just said earlier, um, uh, Max Holloway came in the UFC at 19 years old, and when he got submitted in his debut, it was a legit submission. Um, Roy McDonald was in the UFC at 20, 19, 20 years old. Jake Matthews, even you know, I, I caught him with a flying knee, rocked him, and hit him with a legit submission. Um, Robbie Lawler was in the UFC young. There's plenty of guys that came in the UFC young and showed heart. There's no shame in losing, even. Um, uh, that's the difference between him and Paige Van Zandt. She got all hyped up and everything, too. But you know what? Down the road, she can still be something because crazy amounts of her, her last fights. She just got outclassed technically. The, the, the Duke gave up. I don't understand what it is. Like People act like he's so inexperienced. The guy's been training longer than I have. I mean, he might be 19 years old, but he, first of all, he's a freak athlete, probably one of the, definitely one of the better athletes in the UFC, but also he's been training since he's three years old, and they claimed he'd also been wrestling since he was like eight. So I'm trying to figure out how inexperienced he is. I, I, have, I, have, seven pro, I have eight pro fights. He has seven. You know what I'm saying? I have three, four wins fights in the UFC. He has three. I don't understand how they're acting like he's totally inexperienced. Yes, he is young, and I, I will give him, you know, a little bit of benefit of doubt for that. But you can, but if the dude gives up to something like that, like I said, Max Holloway never came in at 19 years old and did that. Roy McDonald didn't come in at 19 years old and do that. They, 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 he, he, he gave up, man. I mean, you can call it what you want, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Dan, you got yeah. anything to add to that? Yeah, my favorite thing was uh, Angela from the Ultimate – I think her name was Angela from the Ultimate Fighter Show. She, she said, I will gladly, she's like, I'll gladly take $40,000 to give up on a setup choke. <laughs> I heard you, he must not have read my tweet, did he? <laughs> 40 grand for a setup choke. Yeah, you, you know what my tweet was? But I, what did I say, Daniel? What was my tweet? It was something like, uh, I said, <laughs> I said, oh my God, what a pussy. I said, uh, 
I said he gave up. I said UFC, please give me his forty and forty because that shit was. I would never tap to some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Do, do you man. fight it? Do you? Yeah. What do you? What weight classes do you fight at? Just one or two different weight classes? I fight at one fifty five, but I can fight at one seventy. I mean, I walk around. I'm right now. I'm one hundred ninety pounds. Oh shit! So you'll you'll take it. You'll take a fight against Cerrone or Northcutt or something. For okay, sure, that's for cool, sure. You know? Man, you'll fight anyone. Well, true fight fighter. And you know what? Your your mouth is uh, you're a little bit mouthy, which is very good for the sport. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I no, you are. Talk, I haven't talked a lot of shit publicly because, and really, it's because of my injuries. I've only fought four. This is my problem. The reason why a lot of people don't know who I am is because I've only fought four times in three years. Now, I haven't lost any of those fights. It's just it's really kind of, kind of pointless for me to talk a lot of shit um, uh, on, on the Internet right now because I've been in when you've only fought three years. That's kind of that's why a lot of people don't know who I am, and that's why I haven't, you know, I haven't got to move up a lot because, I mean, I am, I am 4-0 in the UFC, but, but it's over the course of three years, so it, it doesn't look as appealing to people, which I, and I understand that. That's why I haven't been vocal because it really doesn't really serve me any purpose if, if, until I get healthy. Well, I mean, the good news is you can keep winning and, you know, people will start talking. That's For sure. <laughs> and you, you know what? Also, speaking of the Northcutt kid, um, the UFC, I kind of feel, has a, has a way of putting eggs in someone's basket where they can almost pick fights that they want to win. And I feel like they were kind of like hoping that he was going to win big time, and he didn't. And then that kind of like bummed everybody out that works for the UFC probably. And I kind of feel like that's what they're doing on this card with that Mickey Gall kid. Yeah. Is famous? Dude, okay. We, we got to talk about this shit because this is like some fucking old, old school boxing shit. Like, uh, you know, back when Dude, I used to... You go, you, you go on Fight Pass and it says... If he wins, he gets to fight CM Punk. I'm like, what? Yeah, I I'm mean, like, they it literally says it, it says it on Fight Pass. They literally handpick the opponent, and it's funny because you know Mickey Gall, he's this 24 year old kid. He might have a bright future, but the guy he's facing, okay, listen to this shit, guys. Obviously, he's 0 and 0 as a pro, but he's 0 and 1 as an amateur, and his amateur fight was in 2009. So this guy's like a journalist, <laughs> and I mean, it's pretty much like a like back like you know back in the day. I like to make the joke about how you know they'd call Tank Abbott when he's on the bar stool, and he'll be like, "All right, I'll, I'll show up for the fight." But with, with this motherfucker, he's a fucking journalist, and he hasn't fought since 2009, and he lost that fight, and now uh, you know he's. He's literally being handpicked to lose. It's like back in the boxing days, you know, when I used to watch uh, Tyson and Lennox Lewis, fucking Evander Holyfield, you know, they they all had handpicked opponents. And this is even this is even worse than that, man. But hey, it is what it is. It's a business, and it's early on on the prelims for a reason. They're, they're, they're going to make people tune in just to see the person who's probably going to fight CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean that CM Punk fight is gonna be uh, it's gonna be ugly, bro. I can't I can't really speak of it because I don't I don't know how serious that dude is, but hopefully he shocks us all. Not, hopefully he's not like James Tony or or something like that. But <laughs> James Tony, I'm not I'm not pessimistic. I'm realistic. There's a difference. CM Punk getting his ass whipped unless they give him. I mean, you know what? I, I, I take that back because the opponent they're probably gonna give him might might. He might not get his ass, but the dude didn't start turning until he was 36 or 37 years old. He's really not that athletic, and he's already had tons of damage on his body from, from, from WWE wrestling. How great of a UFC do they really think he's going to have? You know, I mean, that's just. 
Do we know his Do we know his weight class yet? I think it's 170. I would love to yeah. fight CM Punk at 170. <laughs> and you know the thing you, with CM you Punk, like you want to fight everybody. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, James is a fighter, man. And you know the thing with CM Punk is, I mean, I've heard interviews with him. He actually seems like a really cool dude. But when you step inside the UFC's octagon, I mean, it's doggy dog. And you know, we're gonna see what he's all about. You know what I mean? All right, we're all gonna watch. <laughs> that, that's for yeah, sure. For sure, just like I'm watching Ken Shamrock and Hoyce Gracie. <laughs> oh, I may exactly. Laugh, I may, I'll be the first one tuning in. <laughs> dude, I'll be you, there too, dude. You know what's crazy about uh, the Hoyce Gracie and Ken Shamrock thing? Oh, shit. What's crazy? Hoist Gracie. What's not, what's not crazy? <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen to this shit, bro. Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock are making their return before Khabib. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Crazy shit, oh. right? Khabib never fucking fights, man. And I mean, the guy, I, I'm saying the guy could be so damn good, but he never fights. And the thing is, in 2014, when he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, that guy could be the best lightweight on the planet. But the thing is, it's been so long since then. The sport is constantly evolving. We don't know what to expect when he comes back and faces Tony Ferguson. Dude, but I, it could be a whole, like, could be a Dominic Cruz story, though. That's true. I'm not saying he's as good as Dominic Cruz, but he could come back and be all, whoa, this dude is just as sick as I remember. Good point. Do you get yeah, it? I, I, I think he's going to beat Tony Ferguson. I think um, uh, Tony Ferguson, I think, I mean, Tony Ferguson is a tough dude, but I think that their skill set, like if you look back at Tony Ferguson's fight with uh, uh, Danny Castillo, he got held down half the fight. What do you think Khabib is going to do to him if he gets a hold of him? You know, I think he's going to hold him down, have to fight because Khabib's grappling and wrestling is better than Danny Castillo's quite a bit better. Um, unless Tony can catch him with something, Tony has heavy hands and he's got a good chin, but Khabib's not going to be standing up striking. Um, I, I think that Khabib's going to win even after a two-year layoff. Yeah, and you know, I yep. agree with what you're saying about the uh, Danny Castillo fight, but the thing with that is since that fight, he's had four fights and basically he's gotten performance bonuses in all of them because this guy is clearly evolving. He's getting better. He has He's developing his own style. I really like what I see with him. I mean, one doesn't simply go for a standing Dars choke in a UFC fight. And I mean, that's what this guy's bringing to the table. He goes in there with Edson Barbosa, who we all know is one of the best uh, kickboxers in the UFC lightweight division, he takes everything he has, and then he chokes him out in the second round. Now, I know Barbosa doesn't have the heart of uh, James Vick or uh, Tony Ferguson, but still, man, getting that victory, that's a big fucking win. Is, is, is that fight a main event or no? Yeah, it's a five-round main event. Tony Ferguson versus Khabib in Tampa in April. Hey, have they figured out the main event yet of the Croatia card? Uh, I'm going to check right now, but I know that a couple fights have been announced for it. You know, obviously, I think Ty Sumov's fighting on there. Jan Blankovic is fighting Pokryets, and there's a couple of fights on there, but I don't think they've announced the main event yet. Oh, dude, I want to ask James a question. <clears throat> Pretty much the question, for, the question for me would be, like, which three bands would you want to tour with, you know? But my question for you is, if you could have fight three at three dudes, pick any three of them to be a main event, fight against you who would you pick who would you want uh, probably eddie alvarez would be one <laughs> uh no i wouldn't he would he no i wouldn't even want to fight him in the main event May, maybe but but just because well, okay if you're going according to the because of where i'm trying to move up in the rankings um yeah i would sure. like to fight tony ferguson i think tony ferguson is a great matchup for me i would like to fight him um uh i would like to fight um uh donald cerrone and yeah, and yep. we'll go with Eddie Alvarez. Those three right there is who I, who I would love to fight. Either one, any of those guys in the main event. 
Now I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna ask you something else. So Dan wanted to know the top three. You just mentioned three. Now I'm gonna ask you this: out of those three, who do you want to fight the most? Well, well, obviously whoever's ranked the highest for for who, with who I want. But I mean, I yeah, yeah. But who's asked do you want to beat the most, bro? Out of those three guys, I think Eddie Edwards would be by far the easiest fight for me. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I want to fight Cerrone. I've always wanted to fight Donald Cerrone. Like I, just, I mean, at I don't 55 know. or does it, doesn't matter. I think he's a great fighter, and, and and um, uh, I think that it would be a great matchup. You know, it'd be exciting, and, and I think I'd have a great chance to win. I would, lo- I would love to fight him. At 55 or 70 or what? I, I don't care. Doesn't matter. I mean, here's the thing: like, uh, if I can get one of the 55ers to agree to fight at 70, of course I would rather not cut the weight. But um. That's what I don't understand with these with these with these weight cuts. I mean, I hate to change the subject real quick, but the weight cut thing, all the shit that Joe Rogan's on TV acting like it's a great for the sport banning IVs. It's not great for the sport to ban IVs. The only problem, the only way you're going to solve this problem is add more weight classes. Period. They're acting like uh, the other day I was watching Tim Bosch and uh, Tim Bosch and uh, Ed Herman fight, and they're like, "Oh yeah, these guys are uh, two hundred five fighting at two hundred five now." Because yeah, but you, it's not like they moved up and fought 205ers. It was 285-pounders agreeing to fight at 205. You know? It's not yep. like you're, 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 these people are just jumping up weight classes. To, uh, you know, they're acting like, oh, all these guys are moving up because of the, the IV ban. So, I mean, if I, but I don't believe that's true. If I could if I could fight anybody at 170 that, that, that was actually a 55er, yeah, I would rather not cut all the weight and fight them at 170, of course. Well, there you go, man. And damn, it's good to hear that insight from a fighter like yourself. And man, we got to talk about this co-main event because Big Country, he's back and he's taking on the Texas boy, Jared Rochal. And I'm pretty damn sure you got some insider info on Jared Rochal, James. So take it from here, man. Um, yeah, I, I know Rochal and them pretty well also from Team Takedown. That's that's really close to where I, uh, where I train at. Um, they... I'm going big country though. Um, uh, I think uh, Rolshaw's wrestling is really good, but his striking is not so good. He's slow. He's um, uh, he takes a lot. You know, takes some sh- sh- shots. And um, uh, I think that if you know, remember if you remember when Cormier and Roy, Roy Nelson's not an easy guy to put on his back. He, I've never really seen him on his back in the UFC, and I, I think that. If Rochelle can't get him down within the first round, he's definitely not going to get him down after that. Um, so I, I think Roy mm-hmm. Nelson's going to play him and knock him out. Yeah, I think he's going to knock him out too, James. And, you know, it's interesting because in his last fight, he took on Josh Barnett. And, you know, prior to the fight, everyone's saying if it stays standing, big country's got the edge. If it goes to the ground, Barnett's got the advantage. And, you know, it's big country who takes down Barnett three times in that fight. And one doesn't simply take down Josh Barnett three times in a fight and I mean that's exactly what happened but he got outstruck I don't think he's gonna get outstruck here now here's the thing man if Jared Rochal wins this fight the fans are going to sleep if Jared Rochal loses this fight he's going to sleep now in his last fight against Stefan Struve man this is how I called it prior to the fight this is what I said I said the first round Jared Rochal is gonna grind Stefan Struve the second round he's gonna look for the door this is what happened the first round, he grinded out Stefan Struve. The second round, he grinded out Stefan Struve. And the third round, he looked for the door. I was off by one round, but in this fight, I don't think he's going to look for the door. I think he's going to be looking up at the lights because that big right hand's going to land. What do you think, Dan Kenny? 
yeah. If you look at the last, I, I like to look at the last three to five fights each both of both fighters have done. And I know that Nelson's going off three losses, but all three of those names are insane. But Rochelle hasn't fought anyone of this caliber yet. And I, I'm a fan. I, I don't think Struve's that good. I always thought that. But um, I think the only thing that Rochelle has over Nelson is probably speed. I think he might be a little bit faster. And But <clears throat> I don't see him getting the takedown. I know he's probably going to try. And Nelson knows that. And I don't know. Is Rochelle's chin that badass or no? Now, I mean, he's been knocked out twice. But not by not by Nelson's hands. Yeah, he's been knocked out by the Black Beast and by an eighty-fiver named Alexei Olenek. And I kind of don't want to pick this fight until I I like I want to watch the weigh-ins too. I mean, Nelson isn't always the prettiest at weigh-ins, but he can sometimes surprise me with the way he looks. And even if he doesn't look as bad, that means something good for him. <laughs> so. uh I don't know. I'd probably, I'd shit, man. I don't know. I wouldn't even fuck with odds. Or, but if I had to pick straight up, I'd pick Nelson. I just wouldn't take his odds. Definitely, man. I mean, we all got and, big country, but that minus 160, I just don't like that price. So I agree with you, Dan. How, how old is he? He's like 40, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, but but here's I, the thing, I'm, man. If, if, Rashad, if Rashad wins, he, I could see, uh, if Rashad does win, I could see that's four in a row for, for Nelson. He might think about his future, but I don't know. I how Rochelle's pretty young, right? He's like thirty-two or something. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. You know, with the lighter weight classes, you know, if you got a forty-year-old dude, you better be thinking about your plans after fighting. But interestingly enough, in the heavier weight classes, guys seem to find their peak. You know, closer to their late thirties. You know, you look at the heavyweight champion Fabricio Vaikavala were doom. I mean, this guy is going on thirty-nine years old. So the fact that Roy Nelson is forty, I mean, it doesn't really put me off too much whereas someone like mike pyle being 40 you know he's at 170 pounds it's a completely different ball game i mean do you agree with me james yeah um uh i hate to say that because i'm in a lot of weight class but i mean statistics you know numbers don't lie and if you look across the board the the majority of other guys older guys that are performing are in the heavier weight classes um uh so i would agree with that for sure i think it's maybe because they're do you think it's maybe because their fights don't last as long <laughs> Well, that and another thing is the, the last thing to go on a fighter is power. You know, um, speed goes away, and speed is such an uh, an attribute that you have to have in the latter weight classes, and it goes away the older you get. And um, but, but the heavyweights still have power, and it's it's power is um, is the last thing to go. You know, as they say, you know, with punchers, and you know, even in boxing, power is always the last thing to go. Yeah, man, and Big Country's chin has really held up, man. He only, uh, he's only been knocked out twice in his entire career. Obviously, Arlovsky and Mark Hunt, and and Rochelle's only been knocked out twice, too. But, I mean, it's it's by a completely different caliber of fighters that knocked each guy out. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think they're going to go for I, – I, I don't think Rochelle's going to go for the same plan Nelson likes, which is the, the home run hits, let's see who does it first. I don't think he's going to play that game. Yeah, definitely not. He's going to try to, you know, make it 
a grinding affair, but the question is, can he make it a grinding affair? And, you know, I personally don't think he can, but we'll have to find out on fight night. That's why we tune in because, you know, we can sit here and predict outcomes, but there's only one way to find out, and that's on Saturday night. And, man, speaking of Saturday night, we got the main event of the evening because Johnny Big Rig Hendricks, he's taking on Steven Wonderboy Thompson. We're looking at Hendricks as a minus 210 favorite with a comeback on Wonderboy. Currently at plus 175. Now, you know, a week or two ago, mm, it, mm. Was, it was plus 220 for Wonderboy. So, I, you know, I kind of took a shot there because, I mean, yeah, I think that he does have a chance. But at these odds, man, what, what it's at now, I like Hendricks more. But let's talk about the fight itself. With Johnny Hendricks, man, you know, obviously we all know that uh, he can knock anyone out with that left hand. And back in the day, I mean, he wouldn't just knock dudes out. He'd send them flying across the octagon. And it was, you know, guys like John Fitch, guys like Martin Campman, guys that were, you know, at the top of the game back in the day. But, you know, nowadays he's going to decision a lot. But one thing I like is I like how he blends his striking to his takedowns. You know, he'll he'll blind you with that jab. Then when you're uh, then when you're blocking high, he'll shoot for a blast double and I mean, Johnny can, if he wants to take you down, he's probably going to take you down. The thing with Wonderboy is he brings something different to the table. And I think that people don't understand how good of a striker he truly is. Now, you know, I've been exposed to this guy for a long time because, you know, he's from South Carolina. I'm from ATL. You know, we're uh, somewhat neighbors. And, you know, most of his kickboxing career has been spent in the Southeast. So, I mean, this dude is a motherfucker. Let me tell you what kind of badass he is. So, Anderson and Lyoto, Anderson Silva, Lyoto Machida, back in their prime, you know, they hit up Wonderboy to do some sparring. And uh, word on the street is, uh, you know, Wonderboy goes in there and he's dropping guys like Anderson Silva, guys like Lyoto Machida. You know, it doesn't get talked about often, but uh, it is what it is. That happened. And I mean, this guy is a fucking beast. And, you know, he had his learning lesson in ATL when he fought Matt Brown. He got that out of the way. And now he's knocking out dudes like Robert Whitaker. Now I know someone's going to be like, oh, but that was Robert Whitaker at 170. He's a different man at 85. And I agree. He is a different man at 85, but that doesn't mean he sucked at 170. He was still a bad motherfucker. And Wonderboy's still the only man to ever knock him out. Now, as far as (laughs) Hendricks is concerned, dude, this is going to be interesting because, you know, I think the first round, Hendricks can definitely grind. Second round, he can probably grind as well. But if we've seen in the past, Hendricks does start to slow down in the later rounds. You know, you recall the Condit fight. You recall the second fight with Lawler. And uh, what's going on here? Now, I know there's been a lot of talk about his weight. We'll have to see what the deal is because I'm not sure if I believe that he's 175 pounds, you know, two days before the fight. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. i to find out firsthand. Now, James, you posted pictures that you're sparring with Johnny Hendricks. So, I mean, I think you're the guy that needs to be talking about this right now. Yeah, I sparred with him last Friday, actually, his last sparring session. Um, uh, he, uh, yeah, he's down. You, you should have believed it. He, he was, before, before we um, started sparring, he was, he was uh, and he, put, he ended up putting some sweat and stuff on so he could drop some weight during the sparring session. He was already at like 182, and that was last Friday. Now, normally at that time for me, I'm still like 20 pounds overweight a week out. So he was, I mean, his weight was looking really good, and, um, he looked good. He looked better than I thought. You know, his um, his cardio looked good. Um, uh, he has a style also that he doesn't really. I think that it's going to be hard for Wonderboy, as good as he is, to beat Johnny Hendricks in a five round fight. For the fact that everyone, I guess, you know, thinks Johnny Hendricks has cardio issues. Johnny Hendricks already fought four or five round fights in the UFC at the biggest level, um, three titles. Mm-hmm. Johnny Hendricks has a style where he, he doesn't move and bounce a lot, so he doesn't burn a lot of energy. He he doesn't necessarily always he, he he mixes it up, but he doesn't always throw a lot of volume where 
where he's going to gas himself out. So I think I think Johnny Hendricks is going to end. I think that wrestling pedigree he has is going to be too much, and he's going to put uh, Wonder Boy in the cage, and he's going to um, uh, he's going to grind him out on the cage, and he's either going to win the decision or. I mean, I, I see it ending a couple ways, either decision or Johnny ground and pounding him or maybe even catching him, you know, in, in a submission, or like maybe choking him out or something with a guillotine or something. Um, I, I just think Johnny Henderson's wrestling pedigree is going to be too much for him. Now, Dan Kenny, man, we're going to have a split decision here because, uh, you know, two of us are either going to pick Hendricks or Wonderboy. Which guy are you taking, Dan? <laughs> well, I'll say like three days ago, I was all aboard the, the Thompson train. And then I saw like two pictures online somewhere of, of Johnny with the shirt off. And I, I always am a firm believer when someone looks like amazing, that they are going to perform amazing. Like when Nick, when Nate Diaz just fought uh, Michael Johnson, he posted those pictures before his fights. I was like, damn, he, I've never seen him look this shredded or confident or whatever. But, but uh, Hendricks looks insane. So I'm not a hundred percent on the Thompson train anymore. And I know Hendricks is a better wrestler than Ellenberger is for sure, but Thompson did kind of make Ellenberger look a little bit shot. Um, shit, I don't know, man. I, I also actually watched the Hendricks Lawler one fight the other night, and I still think that he didn't win that fight. <laughs> I might be crazy to say that, but... Um, he didn't? That he didn't. I know a lot of people say it was 2-2 and then they won the fifth round, but I don't know. I kind of... I remember... I don't know, dude, but I don't know. I kind of, I think if I had to pick, I don't think that Thompson is going to land anything fancy on him and Hendricks will end up prevailing and winning. All right. So we got two on Hendricks and I'm the one taking the underdog. But like I mentioned earlier, man, I took it when it was plus 220. Right now it's plus 175, which isn't anywhere near as attractive and I'm actually looking at Hendricks now you know minus 210 that does seem like a decent price because when I took Thompson it was like minus 260 for Hendricks which was a little out there but man we're gonna have to see what happens I cannot wait for this fight now before did he did he, did he whoop Brown's ass I don't really remember that fight. I mean basically what happened was he took Brown down at will I think you know in the first round Matt Brown landed a big Muay Thai clinch knee and Johnny felt that, you know, he wanted to test the stand-up at first, but once he kind of felt what Matt Brown's all about, he was like, you know what, the path of least resistance is to take this guy down for three straight rounds, and that's what he did. He got a nice 30-27, and, I mean, he basically did a takedown clinic on Matt Brown. Now, I know Matt Brown grinded out Wonderboy back in 2011, but, uh, you know, Wonderboy's been putting in some work with Chris Weidman, and I think that's going to pay dividends here, but... You know, well, we're going to tune in on a Saturday night because, like I said, we can sit here and talk about the fights, but the reason we tune in is because we don't know what the hell is going to happen, man. So I cannot wait for this one. Now, before I let you guys go, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch for UFC Vegas. Now, James, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas? Main event, Johnny Hendricks, Wonderboy. Um, uh, I, I, I just... Um I, actually, I don't know, though, because I think that it might be boring because I think Johnny Hendricks is going to be wrestling is going to be way too much for him. Um, and I think he might, you know, grind him out and just win a boring decision. But or but if Johnny chooses to stand with him for even just a little bit, either he's getting caught or one of them is getting caught. So, I mean, it's a five-rounder. I think there's going to be some form of action um, uh, for sure. So I, I'm going with the main event. Now, Dan, what's your fight to watch? I kind of have two. I think the Scoggins-Borg fight will be the one to watch, and I think that 
the Noons and Berkman might be one to watch because that one's gonna that one's gonna be a finisher for, from one of them. I I can probably call that now. Yeah, definitely. And my fight to watch is Borg versus Scoggins as well. I mean, you're talking about. Two flyweight contenders, you know, some people might call them prospects, I call them contenders, you know, they're both super young, you know, 22, 23 years Mm -hmm. old, and man, I want to see who's going to take that next step towards the title, so I definitely agree when you talk about Borg versus Scoggins being a fight to watch. Now we got to talk about the fighter to watch, and my fighter to watch is Wonderboy, I'll tell you why, he's got a big opportunity in front of him, if he can go out there and get this victory against Johnny Hendricks, the sky's the limit, I mean, Anyone that gets a victory over Hendricks, that is such a big deal. Because Hendricks, I mean, in my opinion, he dethroned GSP. I, I don't give a fuck what the judges think. That was 4-1 to one for Johnny Hendricks. Man, it's super depressing. J- James and I were uh, talking about this the other night, you know. So, Robbie Lawler fought Rory McDonald that night. And he was a plus 340 underdog. I took that. And uh, Johnny was a big underdog to GSP. And, you know... I don't often parlay underdogs. That's not advisable. You know, you should take the underdog straight up. But, you know, this is uh, a couple years back. I was a little younger. So I parlayed the two underdogs. I took uh, Robbie Lawler to beat Rory, which he did. And then I had Johnny to beat GSP. And the payout on the parlay was going to be like, you know, plus 2,000, something ridiculous. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, Robbie beats Rory. And then it comes to Johnny versus GSP. And it's like, oh, yeah, we won this fight 4-1. to And then they give it to GSP. And it's like... Oh my fucking God. It's like one guy has a clean face and just beat the shit out of the other guy. The other guy, he's completely marked up. He's talking about how he has memory loss, but he's the one wearing the belt. So uh, it it, it was really a fucked up night, man. But yeah, my fighter to watch is Wonderboy because I want to see what he does with this big opportunity in front of him. Now, James, who's your fighter to watch? Johnny Hendricks, my boy. Um, uh, You know what? I know he said he had thought that that he lost that first Lawler fight. In my opinion, honestly, and I'm not even saying this from a bias standpoint, I really think the only fight Johnny Hendricks has ever lost was the Rick Story fight. I really think he beat GSP. I don't think that he lost to Robbie Lawler the second fight. I thought he got. I thought he. I thought the second fight was was more de, uh, more decisive of a win for him than I, than uh, than the first one was. The first Robbie one. Lawler. I, just didn't, I agree. I didn't understand how Johnny Hendricks lost that fight. I thought that, in my mind, he's literally only lost one fight, and that was the Rick Story back in the day. Um, so I think that, I mean, I think he's the best welterweight in the world, and I think that he's going to, you know, with his wrestling pedigree, there's, it's going to be hard for people to beat him. Um, he's such a high-level wrestler. He's so physically strong, and he's so explosive. Um, he, he has a style, that Johnny Hendricks has a style where he could fight later on in his career, too, because he... he He's so power-based with his wrestling and with his hands. Um, and he's my fighter of the worst. I think he's going to win. And I think that he can um, clearly, I'm not, clearly he's not going to get a title fight because of the weight cut thing. But I think I think he'll beat Woodley, should, should Woodley end up beating uh, Robbie Lawler. I think uh, Johnny Henderson wins that fight all day long. So, you, so Johnny Henderson, my boy. Do you think that Woodley's going to get the title shot? Or, or do you think he's going to get the winner of uh, Wonderboy and Hendricks? No, I think unless is, is Robbie Lawler hurt or injured or something. No, but he's just had so many back to back five round fights that he might want to take a break. Like a month since that kind of fight, huh? Yeah, yeah. And prior to that, he had that fucking epic war with Rory McDonald. Prior to that, two five round wars with with Johnny, a five round war with Matt yeah. Brown. I mean, <clears throat> fucking Robbie Lawler's been through the gauntlet, man. You know, he's fighting think, GSP. Yeah. I, I think Woodley will get the title fight because, you know, I honestly, I hate to say this, but I don't think the UFC really likes Johnny Hendricks. 
Like I don't think they, I don't think they see him as some great marketing person. Um, that they can market. Like I think that honestly, I think that's why he's been. Uh, I know people question his weight, this and that, but he's really only actually missed weight the one time that he didn't fight. I mean, he, he may have had the problem with uh, when he was with Dolce about him having to come back and reweight, but he still made the weight. And he's never officially, as far as I know, like just completely missed weight. And um, I just really think the UFC just doesn't doesn't like Johnny Hendricks. I mean, I hate to say that, but uh, so I, I think Woodley's going to get the, the fight and not Johnny. Now, Dan, did I hear you say that uh, you think Robbie is going to fight GSP at UFC 200? Yeah. Yep. That would be insane, I, 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 man. I, I kind of I I have a little birdie told me something. There you go. He is completely, yeah, that I know, that I know. He's completely planning his return. It might not be a 200, but it will definitely be around the summer, I feel. And if he doesn't get a title shot, I don't know what the fuck UFC is thinking. <laughs> well, I would pick uh, Robbie in that fight just because of where they are in their respective careers. And that's with uh, all due respect to the legend GSP. It's just, you know, when you, when you retire, you don't just come back and fight the champion. And I agree with you that he should get the title fight just because of who he is. I mean, it's the greatest welterweight of all time. But with that being said, like like I just mentioned, man, when you, you retire, you don't just come back and fight a guy like Robbie Lawler, you know, if you want to keep your brain cells. But, I mean, I'm just the guy that watches. I'm not the guy that steps inside the octagon, so I have the utmost respect for all these guys. Now, Dan, I got to know, man, who is your fighter to watch? Uh, I, I'm gonna, the fighter for me to watch is OSP. I think he's going to come out shining and glistening and finish Fajal. And everyone's going to be like, wow, that was pretty brutal. Um, and then he's, he's going to get another big fight. He's going to get a big fight after that and back on the map. I think OSP's the guy to watch. But also secretly as a little fan, I kind of want to watch that Grabowski Polish dude and just see what's up with him. But OSP's the guy I'm, that people should watch. Oh yeah, and speaking of Grabowski, you know this kid's twenty and two, and I mean, what doesn't simply make their UFC debut with a twenty and two record? He's taking on the Black Beast, who yep. is a fucking beast. Yep. And man, I'm curious to see what happens in that fight. Do you, do you have an opinion on that fight, James? I haven't saw this, the, the Polish kid either. I haven't saw him fight yet. Um, but twenty and two—that's that's a good either. Either he's just one of those killers that hasn't been signed. Like a lot of the Russian guys have really high records like that, and like even. Uh, Thomas Almeida came into the UFC with a lot of fights. Jimmy Rivera as well. Either he's a killer type like that with a good record, or he's padded his record. Um, one of the two. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of am excited to see that fight as well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, before we wrap things up, we got a couple fan questions here for you guys. So, uh, James, man. So Ryan Thomas wants to know. He says, James, you're a big guy for the weight with a large frame. How are you coping with the weight cuts and rehydration now that IVs are banned? And have you changed anything re- regarding your weight cut since then? Um, well, my last fight was before the IV ban, so I just, uh, I'm honestly, I've been eating whatever the hell I want to recently because I knew I was injured. So I was like, when when the dieting comes, I have to sacrifice. So now I'm just gonna eat whatever the hell I want. But I have the best nutritionist. I have George Lockhart. George Lockhart's the man. Um, uh, a lot of people know about him now. He's he's more, you know, he actually did Conor McGregor's last weight cut as well. Um, uh, he George Lockhart's the man, and uh, he uh, I've been working with him for like for my last three fights, and uh, and I, I know that when the time comes, uh, it's weight cuts are never. 
See, I was actually going to do a little video about weight cutting uh, and why people cut so much weight and stuff like that. Weight cutting is never easy, um, uh, but that's part of the sacrifice. I, it, there is a limit to you know where where it's if it's unhealthy for a person. I agree with that, but a lot of these people are like, "Oh, you're cutting too much weight. We never cut weight back in my day." Yada yada. But that's part of the sport. If if, if this guy is willing willing to cut more weight than you, that means he, that means he wants to win more than you. Just like if he's willing to spar more rounds than you. He wants to win more than you. If he's willing to run more miles than you, he wants to win more than you. So it's, I mean, it's a horrible weight cut. I'm not gonna lie. It's never easy, but that's 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 if that's what I have to do to be a champion, that's what I have to do. I'm just where I'm at. It's kind of a rough spot because I, when I'm in camp, I walk around about 185, so so I can lose 30 pounds to fight at 155. Or if I want to fight to 170, I'm gonna have to bulk up to 200 pounds and cut down. So either way, I'm still cutting 30 pounds because that's what everyone does. And, and when you're dealing with a trained athlete, it, that size makes all the difference. Um, uh, you know, I've bounced in clubs for years, and I can beat up a 300-pound man that doesn't know shit like it's nothing. But when you're dealing with a trained athlete, that 20 pounds means everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough weight cut, but I'm, I'm staying at 155 unless, unless I just get an offer to fight basically another 55 or 170. But I just feel like I have that's the best chance I have to win a world title. And then now once I, I believe I'm going to be a world champion, and after that I'm going to move up for sure. Now, Dan, I got a fan question for you as well, man. So obviously, you know, you've been touring for years. You've toured with everyone. But is there one specific band that you haven't gotten the chance to tour with that you'd like to? Metallica. Fuck yeah. I've toured with Slayer, Megadeth, you know, Cannibal Corpse, Korn, Slipknot. I've toured with everybody, but it's it's pretty much just comes down to Metallica. <laughs> that's the hardest tour to get. Yeah, man. Like, that's and, the one I want the most. And they're still going that's strong, right? Uh, yeah, but they just don't. They, If they were a fighter, they'd fight once a year. That's pretty much it. So your chances are very slim. Yeah, but they'd fight once a year intentionally. It's not like because yeah. of, of injuries type ordeal. Yeah, they, they don't play very much. Like they're playing the set, they're playing on Saturday night where the San Francisco Giants play the day before the Super Bowl. And they already sold it out. I'm like, fuck, man, that's, that's, they're going to make millions and millions. And that's, they don't do very many shows. But when they do, they're definitely, like, very special. So my chances aren't very good to tour with them, but that's the one I want. Fuck yeah, man. We hope to see that. Now, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this very special Hendrix vs. Wonderboy edition of Half the Battle. You know, obviously, love to have you both back on sometime. And, James, just let the audience know, you know, what they can expect from you next. Uh, well, I've added a bunch of new stuff to my arsenal. I've actually been taking a lot of Taekwondo lessons. Um, my re- my offensive wrestling game has been getting really good. So um, my next fight, um, depending on who the opponent is, obviously, you have the game plan for each individual. But um, I'm planning on trying some new stuff, and hopefully I can, you know, bring exciting fights for uh for everybody watching and dan you know obviously suicide silence is in the studio you guys are making the follow-up to you can't stop me right now yep we are we're almost done writing we go in the studio um the beginning of next month we'll be in venice and for a month and a half recording the record and it's gonna be fucking awesome i can't wait to show people the music because it's pretty fucking awesome i love it it's just that next step in the evolution of Suicide Silence, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of just going, like, for all my friends who love brutal metal, 
I kind of feel like they're going to love it. And then, like, I think my mom will even love it. It's kind of a special <laughs> record. There you go. And, you know, when's your uh, projected release? When do you guys want to put it out? Probably in August, I think. Maybe do some touring in the summer. Go hit up Japan because we still haven't been there yet. So we'll hope, or maybe South America again. Something in the summer, but hopefully it comes out we're on a U.S. tour. So the summer is our goal. The end of summer, it should be pressed and ready to be in stores and stuff. Awesome, man. Well, we cannot wait. And obviously for all the fans, you can follow James at JamesVicMMA. You can follow Dan at Dan Kenny, And you can follow me at Best Fight Picks. And if this is your first time listening to Half the Battle, thank you very much. You can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the fights and good luck. 